A number of uh, years ago, uh, we had a young man come Sunday after Sunday to our worship services from uh, IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And he would come, like I said, Sunday after Sunday, and uh, almost always he would bring some, uh, others, some other students with him. Uh, this young man went on to uh, become uh, a minister, a pastor, and he is a pastor today. And he and another young man wrote some booklets on the Christian life. Very, very good booklets. And I am utilizing two of those booklets for our message to help me in preaching our message today. In a past national survey, teenagers were asked to list their greatest fears. Their number one fear may surprise you. Their third greatest fear was that they would never find anybody to love or who would love them. Their second greatest fear was that they would lose one or both of their parents either by death or divorce. And their number one fear was that they would never figure out their purpose in life. Teenagers, according to that national survey, want to be able to answer the question, why am I hear. What is my meaning? But why am I here is not just a teen question, is it? Purpose concerns adults as well as youth. Adults want to know the meaning of life, their meaning in life as well. Adults over 65 were asked, if you had life to live over again, what would you do differently? One of their top three answers had to do with purpose. They said, be clear about purpose earlier in life. This morning, we are going to think about purpose in life. Point one, why we are here, what we are to do with our lives. Point two, how we can live out our purpose in life. Again, point one, why am I here? Point two, how can I fulfill God's great purpose for me? First, let's, uh, let's pray to the Lord God once again, asking him to work in all of our lives through this study 
for his praise. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we, we ask that as we consider these questions today, we will see in your word the answers, we will understand the answers, and we will want to grab on and cling to and live out the answers. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask for you to pour out your grace upon us this morning. Not just a little trickle, but we pray that there would be streams of living water that would go out today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12 and hear the word of God as I read verses 28 through 34 for us. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. I'll be reading from the early version of the New International Version. Mark 12, starting at verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. The Lord Jesus here tells us our purpose in life. Our purpose is called the two greatest commandments. And it is to love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. To love God and to love our neighbor. There are no commandments of God more important, we've just read, than these. Notice that our purpose in life does not revolve around ourself. It is not to love ourself with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. Rather, again, it is to love God and to love our neighbor. It is to put God first 
and then to put our neighbor next. George Washington, our first president, got it right when he said, my supreme purpose is to please God and to share the light he has given me with others. Listen to these words of a person who left God out of his life, at least for a time. Again, words from a person who left God out of his life. They come from Ecclesiastes chapters 1 and 2. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon, who penned these words, possessed all the treasures this life could offer. He had wealth, he had education, he had wisdom, he had power, he no doubt had looks, he had fame, he had friends, he had servants, he had wives, but he also evidently at one time for a portion of his life had emptiness. And he did because God was not at the center of his being. Someone has said Solomon possessed all the means to live, but he did not possess the meaning for which to live. A few of us here this morning are familiar with the name Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was the first American billionaire. He was once the wealthiest man in the entire world. By age 45, he was known worldwide. He owned a major airline company. He dated uh, beautiful Hollywood actresses, etc., etc., etc. But despite all this, he became a lonely recluse who feared germs and avoided sunlight. He was rarely seen in public during the last 20 years of his life. He spent his final days watching the same movie as many as 150 times. And he died, a very sad, lonely man. His power, prestige, possessions, prosperity never provided him with a satisfying life purpose. What is our purpose in life? Why are we here? God 
created us for fellowship with him, to know him, to enjoy him, to live with him, to live for him, to serve him. Our purpose is to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself, the greatest commandments. St. Augustine, who lived in the fifth century, has given us these now well-known words. O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Nothing on earth can take God's place. Quote, if we seek satisfaction from things that do not involve God, then we set ourselves up for a lifetime of disappointment. I remember the words that Jesus spoke to the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. He said to her, those who drink of the water of this well, and he's referring now not just to water, but to the things this life, this world, to the things they, this world offers. And he says, those who drink from the water of this well will be thirsty again. Do you know your purpose in life? That worthy purpose, that great God-given purpose, the reason why you are here. In Jesus Christ, it is to love the Lord God and your neighbor. In a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, he has forgiven our sins, he has removed our guilt, he has reconciled us to God. In a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, it is to love the Lord God and our neighbor. Point two, how can we live out this purpose in life? Just focusing on loving God, the most important of the two greatest commandments. How can we fulfill loving God on a daily basis? Here are three things we can do for loving God. We'll present them in a very simple way that hopefully will enable all of us to not forget. Remember how to spell God. G, a heart of gratitude. O, a soul of obedience. And D, a mind of dependence. I want to love God in Christ who has forgiven me and brought me to God. I want a fellowship with God. 
I want to live for God. I want to honor God. I want to love God. A heart of gratitude, a soul of obedience, a mind of dependence, a heart of gratitude. Love for God is expressed through our gratitude to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Why is it that one of the main themes of the Bible is gratitude or thanksgiving to God? I believe the answer goes beyond the idea that we ought to be thankful to God. We just ought to be thankful because that's the polite thing. That's the proper thing to do. The first answer to the question is this. It tells us a way to express love of God. It teaches us that a heart of gratitude is love for God. In the Gospel of Luke, we read about a woman who was forgiven of her many sins. And we read how on a certain occasion, when Christ was having dinner over a certain Pharisee's house, This woman came and showed her gratitude to Christ by wetting his feet with her tears, wiping his feet with her hair, and pouring perfume on them. Do you remember that story from the Gospel of Luke? What do you think that woman's gratitude expressed to Christ. What did it clearly communicate? Love for him, did it not? In the story, Christ said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Next verse. I tell you, she loved much. Love for God is expressed through our gratitude to God. And our love for God is especially expressed through thanksgiving in difficult times. Because in the midst of these difficult times, our thanksgiving confesses our trust in God that he loves us, that he will take care of us, that he will work for our good, that he is in control. In the hiding place, Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom 
wrote of an extraordinary expression of gratitude she witnessed from her sister, Betsy. Upon their arrival in prison camp, they were assigned to icy barracks filled with fleas and lice. Corey found the conditions horrible, irritating. But she says her sister thanked God daily for the bugs. Betsy had a deep, settled confidence that God was in control, even in that seemingly God-forsaken place. She trusted God's promise that all things work together for good for those who love God. Our love for God is especially expressed through thanksgiving in hard times because it confesses our trust in him. Let me ask, are you going through a hard time right now? Do you have a real difficulty on your plate at present? Do you? You have the opportunity to especially express love for the Lord God. After G, a heart of gratitude, we have uh, O, a soul of obedience. Love for God is also expressed through our obedience of God. M many of us are familiar with this verse in 1 John 5, but let's all hear it once more. 1 John 5, 3. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Earlier, we mentioned Solomon and what life was like for him when he centered things on himself. Uh, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Uh, listen to what Solomon went on to write at the end of Ecclesiastes. He wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, Remember your Creator. I think he was saying, I have once again seen what life is about. It is about God. It is about the Lord God. Remember your creator. And then Solomon tells us this about remembering or loving the Lord God. Verse 13, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Love for God, which is our purpose in life, is also expressed through following the commands of God. And let me make sure that we understand this about the commands of God. God's commands are not simply cold 
impersonal standards to which we must conform. But wise instructions of a caring creator who wants to protect us from choices that would harm us and dishonor him. God's commands are not to spoil our fun, but to actually enrich our lives. In one of the booklets I mentioned at the start of this mention, uh, of this message, the authors tell of sending hundreds of campers white water rafting each summer. Our river guides, they say, are skilled navigators that know the river. In order to protect their crew and position them to enjoy the ride, our guides require obedience to certain rules. Each rafter must paddle. Each rafter must wear a vest. Each rafter must learn a series of directional commands, and each each rafter must learn emergency procedures. And then they say the benefits of observing these rules include staying in the boat over the rapids and not getting hammered by the jagged rocks. Failure to obey can be disastrous. If you don't paddle, you hit rocks. If you don't wear a vest, you swallow lots of water. If you delay responding to the directional commands, you flip over. And then they say, God is our divine guide who knows the river each of us must navigate. He knows how to protect us and help us maximize our enjoyment of the journey. And he calls to us through his commands. In keeping them, there is great reward. In keeping them, there is great reward. A heart of gratitude, a soul of obedience, and now a mind of dependence. John 15, verse 5 records the Lord Jesus as saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. To abide in Christ partially means to depend on Christ to depend on him moment by moment. It means to stay closely connected to him. Loving the Lord Jesus is also expressed by us by depending on the Lord Jesus. What can we do to stay closely connected to the Lord Jesus? What activities will help us here? First, we have to make our relationship with Jesus a priority. Actually, we have to make it the priority of our life. 
Nothing can be more important. Nothing can come before it. Is that where you are with the Lord Jesus? To depend on him, our relationship with him must be the priority of our lives. And then second, speaking to God in prayer and listening to him in his word are two activities which will enable us to stay closely connected to Jesus. They're not everything, but they are a good place to begin. And to encourage you to speak to God in prayer and to listen to him in his word, let me give you four words that will help you in reference to this. Four words. Time, place, plan, and goal. And here's what we mean by those four words. Time. We need a time to meet with God. If we don't put down a time to meet with God, like before breakfast or at lunch, this essential meeting will be pushed out by other less important demands. Time, place, we need a location to meet with God. It would be best for us to make it a quiet, a solitary location where we can communicate without distraction. Perhaps some of you are thinking, sounds good, but I just don't know if I can come up with a quiet, solitary location because of what's going on all around me all the time. I've told you about Susanna Wesley in the past. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, the mother of something like 19 children. But she knew the importance of spending time with God in order to depend on him in her life. And so she would take a chair. Here's a house, all these children, all these things to do. What a schedule. She would take a chair and she would put a chair like over in the corner of a room. And she would sit in that chair and then she'd take her apron and she'd pull her apron up over her head to give her some semblance of solitary location. And she would have a time where she would speak to God and have God speak to her through the word. And the children knew what their mom was doing. And then last is plan. Time, place, plan, and well, excuse me, number three is, is plan. And plan very simply means this. We, uh, we start, for instance, with prayer. Then we read the Bible. Then we meditate. Then we write down what we have learned. And then we pray again. Uh, place, uh, time, place, plan, and then finally, goal. And goal is where we ask God to work in our life, in our meeting with him. Oh Lord, 
show me something that you want me to do. Uh, let me see a promise that you want me to claim. Let me uh, be aware of, of a weakness or of a sin that I, I need to deal with, I need to uh, get rid of. Uh, and then, God, help me in reference to what you are showing me. St. Augustine not only wrote, O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. But he also wrote this, and this is perhaps my favorite quote of St. Augustine. Without you, O God, what am I to myself except a guide to my own downfall? You're throwing off what you're hearing today, loving the Lord your God, loving your neighbor. That's not for you. Oh God, what am I to myself except a guide to my own downfall? We need to depend on Christ. We need Christ. And depending on Christ will enable us to love the Lord God. I've read that a young man who was pretty fed up with his life, I mean, he had tried one thing after another to bring lasting satisfaction and meaning to it, uh, but he still found himself empty. I read that one night this young man hiked up a mountain, and on that mountain he cried out to God, God, Please give me the answer to three questions. Why did you create me? What is my purpose in being here? And what must I be doing each day to accomplish that purpose? He really, he really wanted to know the answers to those questions. I read that he went on to find out the answers. I don't know if he found out the answers on that mountain, but he went on to find out the answers to those questions. And you now know the answers as well. Why did God create you? For fellowship with him. For you to know him and live with him and live for him and enjoy him for fellowship with God. What is your purpose in being here? To love God and to love your neighbor. And what must you be doing to fulfill that purpose? A heart of gratitude, a soul of obedience, and a mind of dependence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask again, please, in your grace and your mercy. Uh, take this message and uh, bring it uh, to each one of us. Uh, remind those of us who are yours what we're all about. And for those of us who are living on our own, just uh, taken up with ourself, please uh, give eyes to see Give a heart that yearns for what we have said this morning. Oh, Heavenly Father, please help us to love you and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
and our neighbor as ourself. In Jesus' name, amen.